Welcome to the For the Gospel podcast, where we're all about providing sound doctrine for everyday people. I'm your host, Kosti Hinn, and on today's episode, I want to talk to you about what it means to pray in Jesus' name and offer you three keys to understanding what true prayer is all about. And then I want to share with you about a children's book that my wife, Christine, and I wrote. It's coming out in just a few weeks, and we have written this book in order to support parents and also you grandparents with the training and guiding of your children and grandchildren regarding prayer and what it means to pray in Jesus' name. I have to say, on a very personal level, had this book never been published, we were going to write a story anyway and try to come up with some creative way to teach our children about prayer as early as possible. You and I both know that Throughout the course of our adult life, there are these mind-blowing moments, right, where we're taught sound doctrine, we hear a sermon, or we hear a subject matter from the pulpit, and we're sitting there maybe in our, our late teens or our 20s or our 30s, our 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, and we're pretty mind-blown, and maybe you look back like I have or other friends going, man, I wish I was taught that as a child, or I wish someone would have preached that to me. I know that we have great access to media these days. I know that there's podcasts and websites and videos that will teach you at all hours of any day, but there's something special about our parents or our grandparents teaching us foundational truths at a young age. And the question that we often ask is, you know, what if we were able to get into the minds and hearts of our children as early as possible on the topic of prayer? What if who God is and his attributes and understanding his will was already there, at least a few bricks in the foundation at a young age, which then sets the stage for teenage years and college years that aren't filled with wondering where God is or who God is or how to pray or what it even means to pray, but rather those are building block years where the Lord continues to grow our children. That was the goal and that was the motive behind it. Uh, But first to you here and now, I want to talk a little bit about prayer. It was Charles Spurgeon who was nicknamed the Prince of Preachers. And he, the Prince of Preachers, famously said this, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Now, why would a man known for preaching and great preaching at that say something about prayer that makes it at least seem like he believed prayer was the most important weapon or perhaps even a greater weapon if he could teach 10 men to pray that would be more important than preaching or teaching 10 men to preach well spurgeon knew and often relished in something that I think a lot of us tend to forget. That prayer is a powerful tool. We've all been given by God. Not everybody is gifted to teach and preach. Not everyone may be able to take the scriptures and expound them in a way like the Prince of Preachers did, but every single believer is armed with the weapon of prayer. A Christian without an active prayer life is a lot like a car that doesn't have a battery we may 
look even like a nice car on the outside. We may have some features that seem really awesome and we know how to look the part and talk the part and our life has maybe some materialistic aspect to it that's impressive. You know, there's a feature for people to go, wow, or maybe we have a great job or maybe we live somewhere that's very uh desirable. Maybe we're, you're an athlete or an artist with great talent. All of these features are really attractive on the outside, but like a car without a battery, there is a vital source of power missing deep down on the inside when we are a believer who lacks a powerful prayer life. It was Alistair Begg who said that prayer is an acknowledgement that our need of God's help is not partial, but total. I love that quote because it reminds me that prayer is not like a a sprinkle on my Sunday or, you know, some light raindrops falling from the heavens. Prayer is like a glass of water when you are in a desert. Prayer is an avalanche of power. Prayer is everything for the believer. We don't just need a little bit of prayer to tap into a little bit of God's help. Prayer is an acknowledgement that our need of God's help is not partial, but total. We ought to say, like Jesus tells us in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. That should be the echo of our prayer life. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I need you. And prayer is one of the ways that we come to God and recognize that. And prayer is one of the ways that he works in power through our lives. I think one of the reasons we struggle with prayer is because we don't understand prayer. In our modern world, we are wired for instant gratification. We want what we want and we get what we want now. And perhaps without noticing it, we begin treating God and and prayer kind of like a vending machine or a magic genie who's expected to just give us what we want if we do the right things, or we've asked the right way. We view that as sort of punching in a code. In John 14, 14, Jesus says, if you ask me for anything, then in in my name, I will do it. And many Christians assume this means we just need to end our prayers within Jesus' name. We just need to go and ask for what we want. And of course, why wouldn't he want to do what we want? He's God and he loves us. And so we think, well, God, you will do whatever we've asked because we came and we prayed in your name and we were respectful and and we've been patient. So where is that which we want? And then when our prayers are not answered, we will grow discouraged. Sometimes people wonder if God loves them or if he even hears them. You and I can avoid these moments of confusion or disillusionment and even help others to avoid confusion or disillusionment when we remember these three keys about prayer. Number one, praying in Jesus' name is about his character and reputation. That's what someone's name represents. In Bible times, someone's name was very important. It was attached to their character, their reputation, what they were known for, All of that, if you carried your father's name, you were carrying the representation, the heritage, the lineage, what you were known for. 
to pray in Jesus' name, then, is to pray in line with who he is and what he's all about and what he's known for. Now, Jesus is not known for being a vending machine wired to dispense whatever you ask for, but rather he is focused on unfolding the Father's will in our lives. That's what John five nineteen tells us. Jesus will do anything that you ask in his name, because that would mean you've asked for something in line with God's will for your life. The idea of praying in Jesus' name is, is praying with his authority and his character and his reputation behind your prayers. It is to ask God the Father to do his will, to follow Jesus' model, which was to do the will of the Father. When John writes in 1 John 5, 14 to 15, he says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have asked of him. We know that we have what we asked of him. In other words, John is saying, if he hears you, and you've asked in his name in accordance with his will, you will have that which you have asked of him. And so praying in Jesus' name is about asking for things that are in God's will. So you need to ask yourself, will this bring glory to Jesus? Will this be in line with the Father's will? Is what I'm asking for laid out in Scripture? And this obviously destroys Uh, ideas of the prosperity gospel or God as a vending machine or a magic genie just giving you whatever you want because that's not the way God works. And by the way, that's a pretty transactional relationship. What kind of genuine relationship is just, hey, give me what I want? It's really important to understand that Jesus's name and praying in his name begins and ends with his character and and his reputation. I would say that when we come to God this way, we're thinking of God in a way that is too small in comparison to who he really is. We have sort of relegated him to the corner as this ATM. But I love what John Piper says. Prayer is the open admission that without Christ, we can do nothing. And prayer is the turning away from ourselves and turning to God in the confidence that he will provide the help we need, prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. That is the way we should approach God in prayer. And on that note, the second key is that prayer is about aligning your heart with God's will. I'll say it this way. Prayer is not about getting God to do your will. It's about aligning your heart with God's will. Jesus set this example so beautifully in Luke twenty-two forty-two when he knelt in Gethsemane to pray. With the weight of the world on his shoulders and the cross calling his name, he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He's talking about the cup of wrath that he's about to drink on the cross. Then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Friend, even Jesus, the very son of God, modeled a submission to God's will. No matter what you are asking of God, 
And no matter what I ask of God, we ought to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. No matter what you hear anywhere else, that is not a prayer of unbelief. That is not doubting God. That's not equivocating where someone says, well, you just need to ask him confidently and say in Jesus name, amen, and just trust that he's going to do it. You know, why wouldn't God want to do that for you? He's a father. He loves you. Would you ever hold anything back from your kids? Well, why would God, we need to be very careful making God out to be just like a human father. Human fathers are fallible, they fail, and even in their best intentions of giving their kids the life they never had, they still miss the mark in an infinite amount of ways. God does not miss the mark with his children, and even his no or his not yet is good and right and perfect. And so, Christian, say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Prayer is about aligning your heart with God's will, not just trying to get him to do your will. And finally, key number three, prayer is about drawing closer to God. You know, healthy relationships are based on a deep, unconditional, genuine love. I alluded this to this a little bit earlier already. Transactional relationships are not healthy relationships. Our relationships will become little more than shallow tide pools when we base them on transactional expectations. You would not treat your spouse this way. If you did, you would not have a healthy marriage. And yet we often treat God this way. And so if you feel like you're not as close to God as you could be or have been, or that you don't have a vibrant prayer life, it may be wise to ask yourself this, am I treating God like a transactional merchant or am I treating God like a father whom I desire a deep relationship with like a true perfect and righteous and holy father oh yeah God does and he can meet your needs but prayer is a way to draw closer to him in the midst of this it's not merely a tool for getting what you want out of him. It's so important to remember that praying in Jesus name is about his character and his reputation. It's not a magic phrase for getting what you want. Second prayer is about aligning your heart with God's will, not just trying to twist his arm to do your will. And third prayer is about drawing closer to God. Talk to him, pour your heart out to him. The acronym ACTS has been very helpful for many people in laying a true foundation of prayer. It's A for adoration, C for confession, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication, acts. Adoration, spend some time in prayer just adoring God. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him how amazing his creation is. Tell him how awesome and holy and right and just and merciful and gracious and loving he is. Praise him for his attributes. Just read through the Psalms. You can almost just turn through the Psalms and you'll find Psalm after Psalm about how majestic God is. There's no transaction. It's just simple. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The heavens shout your praises. It's a beautiful picture of adoration. And then the C is confession. 
obviously 1 John 1, 9 can be helpful here that we confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us. But confession could even just be recognition of how small you are in comparison to God. Confessing, Lord, I often think I'm so strong. I often think I know all the answers. I often think my way is best. I confess right now that that's wrong thinking, that you are the one who knows best. I recognize and confess that I'm not in control. You are. I confess that I fall short, but you never do. I confess that I am short-sighted, but you never are. I need you, and I confess my need for you. That would be an idea of confession, not just confession of sin, but confession of who he is and who you are. And then the T, thanksgiving. Father, thank you for all you've given me, starting with my salvation. Father, thank you for open doors. Thank you for closed doors. Thank you for trials. Thank you for victories. Thank him. Have a heart of thanksgiving in prayer. An attitude of gratitude is going to bring you closer to the Lord because a thankful heart is going to be a very full heart. And that relationship with the Lord becomes healthier the more thankful you become regardless of your circumstances. And by the way, that's actually God's will for you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. A thankful heart is God's will for you. And finally, supplication. This is asking things of God. To to offer supplications. Ask Him to meet your needs. Ask Him to open doors. Ask Him for the practical things you desire, and He does care about your wants. His providence means He is intimately acquainted with every detail of your life. He cares about you having what you need and for provision and for your goals and dreams and desires and the things you want to do. Just remember to say, Your will, not mine, be done, and ask Him to do all things through you for His own glory. I hope those three keys help you and to help you teach your children and your grandchildren about what it means to pray in Jesus name. My wife and I have written a book titled in Jesus name. I pray TJ, the squirrel learns the true heart of prayer. It's a book for children about ages four to eight harvest house. Kids has been a wonderful partner in publishing this. And the idea started when my wife was asking me to write a children's book. And I kind of said, well, I don't know how to write a children's book. I don't even know where to start with a children's book. And she kept asking me and like a wise, godly, prudent woman, uh, she was right because a dear friend of mine eventually said, Hey, have you ever thought of writing a children's book? And of course, in that moment, I knew my wife was right. Well, I got to writing and uh, next thing you know, there was a squirrel Uh, There is a protagonist, an antagonist. There's a storyline developing. And we kind of fell in love with TJ the squirrel and figured one of the best ways to reach into the hearts and minds of our kids with a very serious topic, by the way, is to do it in a fun and clever and warm and inviting way. And so TJ is a squirrel who is scrambling to gather as many nuts as he can before the winter freeze comes. And of course, there is a certain character who is kind of lazy. He's hanging out, taking naps, and you'll get to meet him. And when TJ is wondering why in the world his uh, friend is taking naps instead of preparing for the winter, of course, his friend reveals this secret or magic phrase that gives him whatever he wants. 
Well, you can imagine the storyline as TJ tries this magic phrase out and it does not work. He's a bit heartbroken, but in comes a dear friend to teach him a lesson about what prayer is all about. And that in the midst of not getting what he wants, that does not mean God does not love him. That does not mean that God is not for him. There's a deeper lesson to learn. And TJ will learn that lesson. And I think you as a parent will feel like we put the ball on the tee for you, for you to hit the home run out of the ballpark with your kiddos. And I hope this really does help you do that. All in all, um, the book is not terribly long, but it's uh, long enough to enjoy a nice, deep bedtime story together. And the illustrations are tremendous. Guy Wolek did an awesome job taking the words in the storyline and bringing visuals that will engage your children and help them learn and grow. The prayer would be one day your kid is not sitting in church as an adult thinking, I really never was taught about prayer and I have no idea really what it means to pray in Jesus name. And I really don't know a lot about what it means to pray God's will. Instead, they'll be able to say my parent or my grandparents or my Sunday school teacher or uh, my friends at church who loved me taught me about these things from an early age. I know what it means to pray in Jesus name. And I understand the true heart of prayer. The book is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. It's hardcover and it will make for a great Christmas gift this year to your kids. And my wife and I have two more children's books that are written and currently being illustrated and in the works for you that are going to help you teach your children about the fruit of the spirit ongoing. So we love you guys. We love our friends and family from our church as well and just want to do a good job giving our kids tools that will build a strong foundation for the rest of their lives. So pick that up and we'll certainly be giving some copies away here in the future months. I hope this episode has been helpful and I hope that you continue to grow deeper in your relationship with God through prayer and that that spills over into the lives of your family, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, and our family in Christ, our churches. We'll be back next week with another episode here for now. Keep on living for the gospel.